Okay, everyone, places. This is the final scene, so let's make this one count. And... Action! Hello, Poppers! This is your host, Lulu Bell. Kaylee, unfortunately, can't join us for this episode, but don't fret, she will be back for our next episode. In lieu of her absence, the most awesomest of guests is joining me all the way from Boston, Eric! Welcome, Eric! Oh, shucks, how you doing? Very good, how about you? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Is Boston being good to you? It is being quite nice. It's like 65 degrees today. I'll consider that to be wonderful. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Considering here in Arizona, we're hitting the 90s already. It's pretty hot. Uh, well, we just broke out of like a, a full week of rain. So this is, it's, we're finally spring out here. It's nice. Nice. Yay. And it's the perfect time to talk about the film we will be covering, which is Captain America Civil War. Captain, people are afraid. That's why I'm here. We need to be put in check. Whatever form that takes, I'm game. I'm sorry, Tony. If I see a situation pointed south, I can't ignore it. Sometimes I wish I could. Sometimes I want to punch you in your perfect teeth. Now, this is the latest installment in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and fair warning, this episode is going to be spoiler-filled. So if you want a spoiler-free review, check out our website. I am going to be posting a written review. Now, Eric, can you give us a bit of a rundown on what the premise of this movie is? Yeah, it's essentially the next escalation in the MCU, as you pointed out. In this case, it's a divide between the philosophies of Captain America and Iron Man. Captain America is on board with personal freedom. Iron Man, perpetually guilt-ridden, is more than happy to have the government oversee the superheroes, which is pretty much the gist of the film. It's the UN wants to kind of create this panel to oversee all of the superheroes and the Avengers, so bad events are limited theoretically speaking. So the two are divided on that, and then Bucky Barnes comes back into play, is linked to an act of terrorism, and it results in a battle royale between both sides. Right, and the sort of catalyst to this is the what happened in Sokovia, the, in, the events of the last Avengers film, Age of Ultron. And so they create these Sokovia Accords, which is what is going to be controlling the Avengers from now on. And I want to start our review with the good stuff, the things that we liked. Now for me, what I liked and appreciated the most was the strength of the story behind the action. There will undoubtedly be comparisons to that other super- superhero versus superhero movie this year that was just bad (laughs) and bad isn't even a bad enough word for it it was almost unwatchable at times which is why just i have to compare it to civil war civil war did write what batman versus superman did horribly wrong and that is establish a good reasoning behind the infighting and i think that's partly because they have established these sort of seeds of discord between the Avengers in their other outings. They have really done a great job of weaving it through their stories and well when you plant a seed a tree will grow and Civil War is sort of the culmination of that. The problem between the characters grows organically. We can see and understand
understand why they believe what they are doing is the right thing. There's this moment at the beginning of the story that's very quiet and I say quiet because it's a very personal moment and it's a very powerful moment more so than any of the fight scenes that we see later on in the film and it's a moment between this grieving mother and Tony Stark and this grieving mother has lost her son during the events at the end of Age of Ultron and she basically just lets him have it and tells him to his face it is your fault that my son is dead he is dead because of you and so we see that guilt-written Tony Stark Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. does a perfect job of showing this kind of like pain that he feels and then on the flip side we have Captain America who's experienced a world war and who's seen what governments can do when they have all the control so we know that their discontent isn't coming out of thin air and while I think the resolution of this whole problem isn't that much of a resolution it is so much better than creating a problem between two characters that doesn't make any sense and a resolution based on your mother's name. I mean, seriously, DC. Seriously, Zack Snyder. I mean, that was so stupid. Hey, Martha is a very powerful name. (laughs) Clearly, if it was Deborah, it wouldn't work at all. But Martha, Martha seals it. (laughs) It works. (laughs) Yeah, well, that, that is one of the benefits of how Marvel has done it. It is the fact that they've had multiple films to at least put some inklings into this. That there is going to be a philosophical divide between Captain America and Iron Man versus say the Batman vs Superman which you have one film and to make this work you have to have both characters act like dumbasses the entire film <laughs> having Batman as the world's least intuitive detective is a really good sign for the character there mm-hmm. it puts a kink in the whole thing yeah usually when, when you want somebody who's basically Sherlock Holmes who fights more often not realize he's being played the entire time that's that's usually a good sign that you know what you're doing as mm-hmm. a screenwriter but no yeah this is again the film has built up to this and then the fight scene that culminates what you know this divide is is very well staged it's a fun it's light comparison to Batman vs Superman which is overly dark kind of too short if you think about it they just pummel each other and then oh your mom's name is martha my mom's name is martha let's be friends yay hey let's throw the one weapon that could defeat the villain into water Mm -hmm. that's a good idea hey lois lane way to like ruin everything good job there (laughs) lois i think that's the marvel universe is so light and so friendly i'll call it friendly in comparison it's outside it's a sunny day there's a lot of every the buildings everything's white there's no darkness to this. It's colorful. I mean, not just in terms of darkness as in like the actual, the color schemes, darkness as in just even the tone of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the bat, it's a natural battle, but there's still, it's still a comic book fight and the filmmakers, the Russo brothers are very cognizant of that. So they film it like a comic book fight and it's nice. Yeah. And like you said, it's not just the color scheme, but it's the colorfulness of it amongst all of those very serious moments. I mean, the humor of in this is fantastic. We have Atman who's kind of like our go-to comic relief. Oh, the rud. Who has whose character seriously just is so far out of his element, uh-huh. but he just owns it too. And just again, when he gets all big, 
and he's just kind of goofing around. He's he's like, I don't know how this is working, but this is working. I'm just going with it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the newbie Spider-Man at least has natural super, well, not natural, but at least has superpowers working on his side, even if he is very un- inex- lacks experience fighting against other superhuman beings. Right. He's. I mean, he's just a kid who's kind of thrown into this without really knowing why he's doing what he's doing, which is kind of like him and, and Ant-Man are kind of just like the extra guys that they needed, and they're kind of like okay yeah i'll do it i'm not really part of this huge fight i don't have this ideological backing but they're just they're doing it for fun basically and it kind of makes the whole scenes with them and the fighting a little bit fun because they're so much out of their element i'm happy to be here <laughs> thanks for inviting me i was lonely in new york it's so cool to hang out with you guys <laughs> I want or- the fact he didn't ask for an autograph is that it's good but still disappointing at the same time (laughs) well the fact that he just said oh captain america i'm a fan is kind of like really kid (laughs) it's like you're on the opposite side (laughs) big issue with this film and also note that we had a discussion on this yesterday that had some technical difficulties Yeah, the issue with the film, my my biggest one, is it's not a Captain America film. His name is in it, but it's not a film about Captain America. It's a film about the dissolution of the Avengers and even about Iron Man continuing to battle his inner demons, which has now occurred in three films on his own, Mm -hmm. plus this, plus the last Avengers film have been devoted, at least at some point, to Iron Man ironing out his emotional problems. Mm. Captain America has had three films to his name, one of them about Captain America, one of them about the end of of S.H.I.E.L.D., and one about the end of the Avengers. You're not really learning that much more about Captain America, which is a shame because he's such an interesting character. Chris Evans has him down very well. Since the first film, he's kind of grown into the role, and I want to know more about Captain America. I want more in-depth about it. The fact this film elides over it, it's two and a half hours, and almost as much time is devoted to Iron Man as it is to Captain America. He seems to be the linking factor between all of the characters, but that's basically all he seems to be. It seems that his story isn't as important as the other characters. It just, it feels wrong that we don't know more about him or get more in-depth knowledge about him. With a Captain America film, the least you expect is like quality time with Captain America. And I think part of it is just some of the, on the whole, the script is very good. And I think we'll touch on more of that later, but the need to incorporate so many new characters does ding the ability to actually go in depth with your future character. Cause they have a lot of time set aside too for Black Panther. Mm -hmm. Cause you have to introduce him and the introduction of Spider-Man, not probably as necessary as it could be especially because there's a spider-man movie coming out next year but it pretty much allows for excuse for robert downey jr to start macking on marissa tomei (laughs) i really think the only reason that sequence exists is so so robert downey jr could go what's up to marissa tomei yeah it really does seem like that's the only reason because really there there didn't seem to be a need for spider-man's introduction to be as long or the way that it was that scene felt like the scene at the end of Batman vs. Superman where Wonder Woman is on her computer looking at the email that Batman sent her and she's looking at all of the people that are going to eventually be in the Justice League. And it seems so out of place because you have that scene amongst the fighting between Batman and Superman and this alien that's about to get loose. And then you have this, oh, wait, wait, hang on a second. Let us introduce you to the Justice League, which you're going to see in a couple years. And then we'll go back to the fighting. And that's kind of how this Spider-Man scene felt for me, that it was just, it was an 
unnecessary. They could have introduced him in a different way. He's gonna get his own standalone next year. Why do we need that much of an introduction in this one when there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you could focus on? To be fair, I mean, not having that email in that scene in Batman vs Superman, you wouldn't have the greatest email in cinematic history. The the email that is the most unrealistic email possible that's used more for the audience than for Wonder Woman's actual ability to read it. It is written no other email imaginable. It's such brilliantly terrible screenwriting. <laughs> I kind of have to love it. But no, it is there. This film has a lot to do. It is the main flaw with the Marvel Universe. Is there's so much stuff to establish in every film. It seems to take away a little bit from the actual pacing of the films mm-hmm. themselves. So again, this is a two and a half hour film, but it takes a lot more detours than it should. And it also undercuts the villain. In this case, Daniel Brühl, who is fantastic in this film. But you don't get a lot of quality time with him at the same time. Yeah, he's this very underrated villain and kind of mysterious. And that's what makes him so real. I mean, he has this really good backstory that isn't touched upon as much as it should. I mean, they kind of explain his backstory at the very end, and it's that he lost his whole family in Sokovia. He's, I think for me, he's one of the best villains that we've seen in the Marvel films so far. And I love Loki. I mean, I think he's a great character, but as a villain, he's going through his own identity crisis as a villain. He can't decide what he wants to be. But the Brule, he has such a great and horrible introduction. Within the span of three minutes, we know know that he means business and that he is not holding back at all he's willing to do anything i mean he's one scary dude he drowned somebody in a kitchen in a sink yeah yeah that's crazy he's well it's it's the film for a film that's almost entirely about revenge and just the the sin of vengeance if you will like wrath Mm -hmm. He's the best exemplar of it because he takes it so far. He's willing to hurt the people around him to do to get what he wants. And sister, because he as a villain, he doesn't have any henchmen. He doesn't have any superpowers. He all he has is himself, his will, and ruthlessness. Because he's so myopic on his mission, he just doesn't care about the people he destroys along the way. So there's a purity to his vengeance that's actually quite appreciable. And his endgame isn't to take over the world. His endgame is exactly what happens. He splits the Avengers. He comes very close to committing suicide till Black Panther comes around and steals his gun. But that's what makes him interesting. He's the most human villain that they've had thus far. And not just because they've been robots and other things. It's the fact that his motivations are probably the most relatable of anyone. Right, because he's not power hungry or money hungry. I mean, he literally just wants revenge for the pain that he feels of having lost his whole family. And I actually like that they didn't kill him at the end, that he survives, because I'd kind of like to see more of him in some of the later films. He's the most human of them, and at the same time, he's the most inhuman of them. There's a line for this. I think Oppenheimer used it to describe when the bombs were created. He became death, the destroyer of worlds. So it's kind of what his persona is now. He's basically a man of a single... Yeah, single force of destruction, which for a series in which people have like destroyed New York and lifted a city off of its roots, what he does is the most impressive. Mm -hmm. He wins even when he's caught. Which is why I said that the resolution isn't really a resolution because none of the Avengers died, but yet at the same time, it's nothing is right. 
Although, and to be fair, the reason why he won is also why the one of the better benefits of the film is that it's a big twist. It's the fact that Bucky Barnes killed Iron Man's parents. Mm-hmm. He killed mm-hmm. Tony Stark's parents. That's a the twist on that is in, incredible. It was a literal like kaboom in my mind when <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that scene. I was like. <gasps> What? And they actually, they give hints to it. The movie starts off with Bucky being taken out of the ice back in 1991. And he goes on this mission. And we assume that he killed someone. We're not shown what. And then we see Tony Stark introducing these students to a new technology in which you can visually represent your memories. And it's what he shows them is the last time he ever saw his parents so it's kind of there but for me i didn't really put them together and then at the end i was like that's what they were trying to tell me and it's just it's one of the best twists that i've seen in recent films yeah for a comic book series that is a brilliant little touch Mm -hmm. because it it's a thoughtful moment it makes sense and explains so much of the film Mm -hmm. and the fact that captain america knew about it oh yeah it makes sense that he knew but it's never fully explained which is kind of a nice they didn't need to go into like an explanation how he knew it makes sense given his connections with sharon carter she would know so he would know Well, speaking of the Carter family and moving on to the things that we didn't like as much, for me, what I did not like, and I'm I'm sure that there's people out there that would agree, is that it's icky that Rogers now has a love line with Peggy Carter's niece. Which, uh, I don't know. I don't I don't like that. Do you realize they kind of did the same thing in Millennium Man, the the Robert, Robin Williams robot film, where he falls in love with a woman, and then he falls in love with his, like, the woman's granddaughter? Does he? I, I've never yeah. seen that one. Oh, it's, it's got the same level of cringiness. It's like, they look alike, so it's, like, close enough that it's like, hey, this is okay. <sighs> but, yeah, it's a weird... T- it makes sense, in a, in a way, because he never really got Peggy. So this is the closest approximation. But it still feels a little off. It does. <laughs> I mean, it's a little funky. It's yeah, it's really funky, and it was kind of like I was hoping they wouldn't go there, and then did they end up kissing? And that scene just makes it funny because Rogers turns to look at the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and they're like, "Yeah, dude, get some." And I'm like, "Oh no, that's even weirder." <laughs> well, they were in the love bug, so it was appropriate. Yeah, exactly. If you can't, you cannot have some romance when you're around a love bug. You know, those Volkswagens. There are reasons why they're small. It's not just economics. Just explain the screenwriting right there. Just perfect explanation. And nothing more to say. Love bug. There, that should say everything. Another thing that I know, Eric, you also do not like, just as I do not like it, is where is the Black Widow movie? Where? Where? It, in our imaginations. It's not that much fun in there, though. I, well, it could be, but on the other hand, it would be nice because that's the one character who really does deserve her own film. Yes. Like, I could live without a Hawkeye film. And Hawkeye even got a pretty solid, like, plot line in the first Avengers film. Mm-hmm. And then in Age of Ultron, where we get introduced to his family. I mean, the dude has a family. So it's like, we get to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of Hawkeye. What about Black Widow? She's been in multiple movies with other characters why doesn't she get her own? Well, remember, she is technically, like, inhuman, like the Hulk, because she had her tubes tied. So she can't be a mother. Oh, yeah. So she is a monster based on the last Avengers film. Right, because motherhood is the end-all, be-all. Yeah, if you can't be a mother, you're not a full human being. And you don't deserve your own standalone film. 
uh, apparently. At least I think I think the Marvel the guy who like runs like the the series actually said that she doesn't need it, which is really <laughs> what? yeah. No, this is also the series the, the company that has forgotten to put her with toys and whatnot in. You know, basically, like they they've forgotten to have Black Widow action figures among toy sets, so she's gotten the short shrift across mediums. Oh yeah. Most definitely. And what bothers me more is that Captain Marvel has a movie that's going to come out given it's going to be in like three years, but she gets it before Black Widow. That's that's wrong. As a reminder that there are no other female superhero films from Marvel to come out before then either. Unless you want to count the fact that the Wasp gets second billing in the next Ant-Man film. Which doesn't count for me. It really doesn't count. And the next Marvel film that comes out has a very white woman playing an Asian character. We're not going, we're not doing so well right now. Yeah, they're not picking very well. I mean, I'm sure they'll get a lot of feedback. So maybe that'll, you know, inform them for the next one. Oh, they could just make another Spider-Man film. Oh, wait. <laughs> they already are. Oh, God. And end credit, gotta love it, is the fact that, oh, by the way, get ready for that Spider-Man film coming out. It's been so long since we saw the last Spider-Man film. Yeah, well, yeah. So like, we, we just haven't had enough Spider-Man in the last, like, 15 years. It was a weird film because I also had two little end credit things. One of them essentially setting up the Black Panther film. Mm-hmm. And the other setting up the Spider-Man film. Yeah. Seems a little unnecessary to do it in that capacity. Like I don't, I don't know how we necessarily needed another setup to Black Panther. I mean, he is a really strong presence throughout this entire film. We get to see him and his father. We get to to see what kind of a person he is. He takes on that vengeful mode, and then he repents. We knew enough in the regular. 146 minutes of this film to kind of already be okay i like the dude let's i'll I'll watch this standalone did we really need an extra two minutes with him yeah those two minutes could have gone to showing like robert downey jr hitting on marissa tomei even more well one other thing i want (laughs) to want to touch up on is the fact that martin freeman is in this film and he's in what two scenes it's the freeman why are you like not showing him on screen which he's had an interesting like career renaissance there because he was in the office, then it was kind of quiet mm-hmm. for a while. Now he's back doing the, the Hobbit. He's now part of the Marvel Universe with Benedict Cumberbatch starting later this year. Right, Doctor Strange. Maybe they'll maybe they'll meet each other somewhere. Yeah, they'll probably meet in London on Baker Street. They should. I have a sneaking suspicion that we don't have a lot of Freeman, but it's because they just want to show that he exists. So in the next couple of films, he'll be like the Coulson of the series. Oh. My, that's my theory anyway, because there's no way you're going to have Martin Freeman come in and not have him do more in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, again, everything that we're watching right now is pure buildup to Infinity War Part 1 and Infinity War Part 2, which is split by Captain Marvel. Yeah. So essentially right now we're in line to have all four Guardians of the Galaxy, all four characters, Iron Man, Captain America, everyone else in this film, Thor and Hulk, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Thanos. That movie's going to be enormous and everything that's going on right now is building to that one ridiculously huge film. Oh yeah, if you thought this was packed with superheroes, it's nothing compared to what the Infinity Wars are going to have. I think somebody's head might literally explode when watching that film. It's going to be so much. Well, sorry, films. Because there are also, like, there's like, there's a year gap on that one. I forgot that, because DC's doing like a two-year gap between their, like, Justice League films. One of the two is doing it. Well, Eric, what is your food rating for this film? Uh, I'm going to go with kind of a steal from The Simpsons. 
and it's basically uh, when you're in bed and your mom tells you that she's got waffles and you go downstairs and they're square pancakes or just pancakes in general. <laughs> On the one hand, pancakes are pretty mm-hmm. good. You got some syrup, good place with pancakes, but they're not waffles. And I wanted this film to be waffles. Uh, well, I have a very similar rating on my end. Recently, I went to this new restaurant and they had these coffee donut pancakes. And they had the sweetness of the pancakes. And then you have a little bit of the bitterness of the coffee. But when you mix it together, it makes a pretty good combination. You have your sweet you have a little bit bitter. The sweetness is just enough to make you forget that there's a little bitterness in there. So I really enjoyed watching this film. I think it had a lot of good points and they trumped the bad ones. So I I really enjoyed this film. So go watch it. Oh yeah, definitely. This is definitely worth checking out in theaters. It's well written and well directed. It's just not, just not the Captain America film I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. All right, poppers. Well, that is it for this episode. Remember to check our website for other reviews that we are doing at popcornfanfilmreviewers.weebly.com. And tell us what you thought of the film. Throw us a line. Go to Facebook or Twitter. Thanks for listening. 